We love you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Hallelujah. God, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. God, we praise your name. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. It is so great to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Feel his wonderful presence and to be in this conference. I feel I feel good in my soul. I feel good in my spirit. I have felt better in my body, but I feel good in my soul and my spirit. But there ain't nobody's fault but mine, and I don't feel all that hot in my body. Brother Westberg made mention of a message I preached. I'm not going to be preaching that, but it was called, um, I planned this when I was in my right mind. And um, last night, I knew I had to get up at 6 a.m., and I stayed up till 3.30 in the morning talking to preachers. So someday I'm going to preach a message called, It Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, that's, that's the flip side of that. <laughs> that's, uh, Praise the Lord. Now, uh, I want to say it's so good to be here with you and to be here with these brethren of like precious faith. This is a precious faith. This is the precious faith. And the older I get, the more I see, the more I find out how much and how ignorant I am, the more I appreciate brethren of like precious faith. I appreciate the saints of God, and I appreciate Amen, those that preach to them these wonderful truths that are going to get us to heaven. Amen, 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 amen. Going to get us to heaven. So meetings like this, I don't think that uh, you can put too much of an emphasis on how important that they are, that God's people come together, get together. And, and understand you're not out there by yourself. There are other folks that love this truth, that love this God, that love this beautiful message and all that it entails. And uh, I do believe that the coming of the Lord is very soon, and I believe that he wants us to be, as his church, the most effective that the church has ever been in this day and age we're living. Now, I'd like you to turn with me to two places in the Word of the Lord. First, in Psalms 139, and then in Jeremiah chapter 32. I apologize for uh, my voice being a little on the ragged edge. 
But I assure you, it is ten times better than it was this morning. And I thought, we got trouble. But uh, it just started getting a little better along about four o'clock or so, and I sure thank God for it. Now, uh, I want to ask your apology. In the office, uh, and also turn to Jeremiah 32. I may have told you that. But um, I was telling Brother McLean, Brother Godair, who I'm so thrilled are here and uh, counted an honor to be with them. Uh, they're tremendous friends, wonderful people, and great, great preachers. Um, how that my son was telling me something the other night, and uh, and I didn't. It was interesting, but the next day I was walking, praying, and I couldn't get away from it. And I knew I was going to be preaching off of that format of thought. And so I called him at work yesterday afternoon, and I said, I said, do you have access to that material you were telling me about? He said, yes. I said, make a copy of it and bring it to me to church tonight. Don't forget. So he did, ran it off, and I put it on the table by my chair. And then I ran off and forgot it. So I wasn't going to preach it, obviously. Um, I had something else in mind. I was telling these good brethren about that. When I got on the platform tonight, man, I couldn't get away from it. Hence, me sitting there what you were watching was a preacher getting a message from the Lord, hopefully, and um, we'll know in a little bit, and, um, and scrambling and apologizing to God that I didn't was more sensitive throughout the day. So anyway, that's the reason I wasn't more involved with that. It wasn't that I wasn't involved with this service. I was deeply involved <clears throat> but I was playing catch-up. So anyway, beginning with verse 1, <clears throat> and I also forgot my little reading glasses, so here I am. I forgot my wife. My wife's not here either. <laughs> You're in worse shape than I am, Elder. <laughs> <laughs> but I pray God if the Lord does tarry and I reach your age I'm as in good a shape as you I mean that boy I mean that okay oh Lord verse 1 thou hast searched me and known me thou knowest my down sitting <clears throat> and mine uprising thou understandest my thought afar off thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways there is not a word in my tongue 
But lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them, if I should count them! They are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. And then in Jeremiah 32, one verse, verse number 27. Jeremiah 32, verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord the God of all flesh. He's the only one that understands it. He's the only one that knows it all together. Is there anything too hard for me? My, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands and love him and ask that he'd have his perfect way. Lord Jesus, we're mindful of you. We're asking great, wondrous, precious God that your hand, your anointing, your mind, your wisdom, your spirit would flow completely, freely, fully, powerfully, God. Let the word of the Lord have free course tonight to the depths of every heart and every soul and every mind. Do your work, your gracious work, your mighty work, Lord. Into your hand we commit, God, this service and our lives and our future, God, of this church and our families. In Jesus' name, God bless you so very, very, very much. You may be seated. The, uh, the material that my son made mention to me of was concerning uh, people who, uh, there was a couple of chapters devoted to him in some book that he had access to at work. He, uh, he rebuilds computers, he repairs them, he troubleshoots them, etc., etc., things of that nature. And uh, the man that my son is working for, and it was really quite interesting how he got into that, but be all that aside, the man that he's working for is uh, 
is a literally he is a genius and he's one of these awkward geniuses he's uh, sometimes an insufferable genius but he's a genius nonetheless and um, my boy told me when he began to work for him he said you know dad I thought I knew something about computers but when I went to work for Dave I realized that I was a babe in the woods and ignorant as can be. Just a little example is that in any given make of computer, style of make, etc., there's various cords running to and fro, and, uh, and he doesn't expect you not only, his boss, to know, you know what the cords are for, where the fit go do, what the purpose is, but in every cord, there are wires, various wires, that make up the cord. And he expects his employees to know what every single wire's purpose is in that cord. And, and he's just this, this kind uh, of a guy. And he's always coming home with funny stories, etc. And uh, so at any rate, he was, he was telling me about how Dave... Uh, was making reference to this book, showed it to him, and he got to reading it, about men that in this one portion were considered computer absolute geniuses. And he was telling me a couple of stories. Again, I apologize that I can't give you more detail than what I am. But in one case, um, somebody called one of these men that work on computers at night, he awoke him and said, I hate to call you, we're in a fix. My computer is acting up and it was a major business and uh, something was not working. And uh, so the man was groggy and he sat up in bed, turned on the light and he began to ask the man questions. What make of computer do you have? What kind of software do you have? Now, all this stuff is Greek to me, okay? I'll hear people talk about this stuff, and, and I'm, I'm like in a foreign country. I don't even know what they're talking about. But they're, uh, he's asking him all of this stuff, make and style and brand and what, what he's put into the hard drive and except what is it doing exactly? And then he tells him, okay, push this button, what's happening? Uh, do this, do that. Now, what, what comes up here and there? Uh, okay, format this, do this and that, going through all of these machinations of his mind, and, and then he says, he says, okay, wait, 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 don't say nothing. And he stops, and he closes his eyes, and he thinks, and he thinks, and the man on the other line will ask, he said, don't, don't interrupt. In fact, he just put the phone down. And his mind began running through this computer. And finally picked up the phone and said, I think I got it. He said, now, move the computer out. You'll see two panels. And um, he said, the panel on your right, there's four screws each corner. Take that panel off. Okay, you got it? Yeah. Now, get a flashlight, look up in there. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, you see a series of wires, and he began to name colors of wires going from here to there. He said, yes, yes. And he said, are you adept at cutting, splicing, putting wires back together? He said, well, I can do what I got to do. He said, there's a red wire there. He said, tell me how long that wire do you think is? He said, well, I can't measure it. It's, it's bent up. He said, just give me an estimate. He said, I think that wire is about six inches long and it's bent up a little bit. He said, that little red wire is two inches too long. He said, cut it and put it back together. Cut two inches out and put it back together. And he did so. He said, now go through your process. And the guy said, it's working. He said, okay, I'll send you a bill tomorrow. <laughs> and then he was, he was telling me of another story of another guy that got a call like that. And I'll cut this one to the, to the chase. Asked him all of these questions. This was much longer. And the man kept thinking and kept thinking and kept thinking, and this was a major computer. This was a large computer, and it was a relatively old computer. And finally, after a long season, this man said, if you'll take off the back panel and look on the bottom lower left hand of the floor, you're going to find a dead mouse or a dead something probably a mouse and to be cute he said it'll probably be gray and uh, just to be cute and they took it off and there was the dead mouse and that was throwing the computer off so obviously there are some minds out there that are little further along the path than mine <laughs> and uh and, um, and they're obviously into this a lot further than I am. And, and yet something that if you've, like me, just worked a little word processing, you understand how unbelievably complicated, how, how unbelievably intricate, and, and it is a world that is beyond us and yet there are people whose minds are so sharp so keen and they've given themselves to this so much that they can do things of this nature and many such like things and yet in a computer's best estate and in a computer's most complicated good or bad day there has never been a computer made that can compare to the intricacies, amen, of the simplest human being that God ever made. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I read recently of three scientists that tried to, to get a series of computers. They knew one and two and three couldn't get it done. And so they were connecting computers together to see how quick 
it would be that computers could function just like the human brain and they connected before it was over 6,200 computers and they realized we'll never do it. We'll never do it. After connecting inter like, uh, inter whatever it is they're doing, uh, over 6,200 computers and they understood we still can't match the human brain. Now if a man with his finite limited brain can close his eyes and think and, and solve mysteries of something as complicated as a computer. Thank God how much more so can this great God that formed us, that made us, that breathed life into us. He knows us. He knows our downsittings and our uprisings. He knows our thoughts afar off. He knows the words we speak before they get off the end of our tongue. He is acquainted with all, I repeat, all of our ways. Now, some people are uncomfortable with understanding that there's a God that knows them that well. But I'm going to tell you, I find comfort tonight knowing there's a God that knows me, knowing there's a God that loves me, knowing there's a God that understands me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I am sure he does not like everything he understands about me but I am also just as positive that he loves me just the same <laughs> hallelujah because he's working on the rest and by the grace of God I'm allowing and I trust we're all allowing him to work on those areas of our life that are far less yea even a little less than perfect work on us God, we don't ever want to rise up off of the operating table in the Spirit. We want our heart to always be open. We want our mind and our thoughts in every chamber of our life, heart and soul. Amen. For our God to have access to it. Amen. That He can fix us. He knows. He knows. And here's the thing about a computer. When it's fixed, it works. It's profitable. It does things. And brother, if God, if we'll just let him fix, we'll work. We'll be profitable. Things can flow. Things can happen. God can use us like he yearns to use us. We can see his glory. We can see his power. We can see his might. We can see his kingdom go forward. Hallelujah. Some of you say, but you know what? I'm too complicated. I'm too messed up. My childhood was too bad. Amen. My parents were too corkscrewed in their brain. Amen. I had an aunt and an uncle used to beat me too much. And all of this, can I tell you, everybody is a victim. I know we're living in a victim age, but I'm going to tell you, everybody under the sound of my voice has been victimized somewhere. It comes with the turf, brother. It comes with the plan. Things are just going to happen because not everybody loves God and not everybody's going to serve God. And we haven't always done the smartest things ourselves. 
Hallelujah. So we've all been victimized either by our foolishness or somebody else's. But I know a God that's able to fix. I know a God that's able to heal. I know a God that's able to touch. I know a God that's able to change. Hallelujah. And if proverbially, which he doesn't, but if proverbially he ever has to close his eyes and say, don't interrupt. Let me think this through. Rest assured, the answer is in his territory. He knows the answer. He knows. Hallelujah. And as in the instances that my boy told me of, here things that look so complicated when thought through, when seen and discovered mentally, you got a little red wire that's two inches too long. You got a dead mouse stuck down there. You know, a lot of times in life, it's really not the big things need fixed. It's little things. It's not the big things. It's little things. For every time you've got to get a transmission changed in your car, you're going to have to do a thousand little things before it gets that big a problem. For every time you've got to change an engine, brother, there's going to be a thousand things leading up to that point. No, you've got to do this and that and that and the other. Now, if you don't do all the little things, like, Change the oil. Change oil. Check the oil. This is a major deal with my boys. I, I tell them, how can you be so smart and so stupid? You can whiz through all this computer stuff, and you don't understand that a car needs oil? I never thought. Well... When you start footing all this business and you start paying for your engines, you're going to think. My middle boy got married in January, and I, I, I told him, I told my wife, I told his bride to be, I told my boys. I said, I would to God I could be there when he opens his first electric bill. That's all I want to see is the look on his face. When he realizes, you know, leaving them lights on, things happen. As long as somebody else is footing the bill. <laughs> What's the big deal about these lights? Say, how do you know? Because I have the same problem. My dad used to, boy, he'd get so mad. I'm cured, Dad. I'm cured. I'm cured. I got the revelation now. Hallelujah. Amen. So with life, most of the time, it's little things. I remember one time I, I had a Volkswagen Rabbit. I know it's hard to believe, but, you know, it, it was a good deal, and I was evangelizing, and, and I could pull it, and so I got it. And uh, I'm going down the road, and all of a sudden this, Red light comes on. 
Now, when you're evangelizing, I don't care what color the light is. This is not good. And, and it says, check engine gobbledygook, whatever. So I, I'm, I'm going down the road, it comes on, and I see a VW dealer. And uh, I pulled over, pulling onto the parking lot, and here's a, a guy dressed like a mechanic. And I said, hey, 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 buddy, come here. He steps over there, and I, I said, what does that red light mean right there? He looks around. He says, pop the hood. I pop the hood. He pulls out his ink pen. He pushes a button on the firewall, and the light goes out, slams the hood. He said, don't tell nobody I did that. I just saved you 50 bucks. That's, now, if I'd have, no offense to mechanics, <laughs> if I'd have run that in there, I'd have got a printout of all this hideous stuff and all these charges, I mean, probably, I mean, this is the way it works for me most of the time, and, and, and $242, amen. But if you don't spend it, you're going to spend 1500 within three weeks. And that guy lifted the hood, pushed the button, and it never did come back on. So a lot of times in life, you know, it's little things. You know, I've, I've learned that big doors swing on little hinges. Amen. Big deals happen with little events. Just a case in point, one day Abram takes his wife Sarah and goes down into Egypt. Big deal. Well, the big deal was when he left, he had an Egyptian handmaid named Hagar. And it's been a big deal ever since. It's going on in your local newspaper today. You can still read about it. Of the problems between the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac. Big doors swing on little hinges. Hallelujah. And so it is oftentimes in life, there's big things that swing on little hinges. And there's none of us smart enough to handle this job. That's why Paul said, who is sufficient for these things? We are not psychologists. We're not psychiatrists, nor do we want to be. I'll tell you something about psychology. It's not all that bad at finding certain problems, but it's not good at all about fixing them. It can point out whence it cometh, but, but the answer to most of what they say is now learn to live with it. I'm glad. Jesus says, hallelujah, I can not only find the problem, I can fix it. I can fix it. I can fix it. I can fix it. Hallelujah. And there's not a one of us 
amen, can put our finger to our brow and squint hard enough and think long enough. But, brother, we're going to come up with some answers unless the God of heaven that gave us his spirit can come down and do some talking into our ear and into our heart and into our mind and give us some answers. And if he gives us the answers, whoo, what a difference. What a difference it makes. And he loves to give the answers. Amen. Just a couple of cases in point. One day Jesus is uh, teaching, preaching, amen, healing, ministering, and here come the group. Different names, different attitudes, but they all got one thing in common. They got a problem with Jesus. And so they come to him and they say, we got a question for you. Is it lawful, amen, to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Seemingly an innocent question. But there's a big door swinging on that hinge. Because if he says, no, then they go straight to Pilate. And buddy, when you touch the king's money, you're in trouble. In case you don't know that. Still that way. And they'd have pulled him off the street. They didn't care. Pilate didn't care who he healed. He didn't care who he preached. But don't you touch the coffers of the king. And so if he says, no, it's over. And if he says, yes, then, because there were such strong nationalistic feelings and they paid taxes grudgingly and they hated it, they hated the Roman rule, then his influence with the people is washed out. So either way, this seemingly innocuous little question, Jesus saw it for what it was. There's a dead rat in this thing. And, uh, and they thought, we got him. We got him. I don't think Jesus said, wait a minute, let me think. Now, when we do that, I'm going to let you saints in on a, on, a, on a secret about pastors. Hope you don't mind, brethren. When I'm in my office, and I go like this. What I'm really doing is, oh, God, help me, Jesus. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Talk to me, God, talk to me. Because we know we ain't sufficient. I don't think Jesus went like this. We have to go like this. But in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah. He just said, well, I'll tell you what, boys, give me a coin. And they gave him a coin. He said, my, 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 whose picture is on this coin? They said, well, that's Caesar's picture. He flips it back and says, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And render unto God that which belongs to God. And the Bible said they durst not ask him any more questions. Amen. Amen. One time they came to him with a question, and he said, they said, by what authority and power do you do this? Again, that's a loaded question. 
in the times and the seasons and the, and the atmosphere of all that was there. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to answer that. I want to answer that. You answer me a question first. Okay, we're ready. He said, the baptism of John, was it of God or men? And they said, if we say it's God, he's going to say, then why didn't you obey it? And if we say it's of men, these people are going to stone us because they, they all believe that John was of God. And they said, after much discussion, we really can't tell. Well, I can't tell you by whence I have this power either. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's the kind of God we're walking with. That's the kind of God that took up residence in us. That's the kind of God that knows our down sittings and uprising. That's the kind of God that knows our thoughts are far off. That's the kind of God that spoke this world into existence. That's the kind of God that is the God of all flesh. That's the kind of God that's got the answers. That's the kind of God that's got the healing. That's the kind of God that's got the revival we're looking for. Hallelujah! And God, if we can just get your mind! Now there is every reason to believe that we'll have to give it this. But that's one of our problems is we're not giving it this. Because it's so easy to lean on the arm of flesh. But oh, if we can get his mind. I noticed that when the children of Israel, in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, after he had carried off the elite of the land, certain men came to Jeremiah and said, Go seek God. Tell us whatever we're supposed to do. As the Lord lives, whatever you tell us, that's what we will do. And Jeremiah didn't come back for 10 days. 10 days. He waited with this. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jehovah. About to be Jesus. Give me your mind. Give me your instruction. Give me your... And I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, brethren, this is just my little philosophy. You know what a philosophy is? That's what you develop to survive, praise God. And hopefully, happily. Number one, I don't have to have the answer to everybody's problem. I'm not expected to have the answer to everybody's problem. Furthermore, they've got access to the same God I do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And if God speaks to me, I don't mind telling. And if he doesn't, I don't mind saying he hasn't told me nothing. I'll give you my opinion as one that has walked with the Lord and has the Spirit of God and has a few experiences. Amen. But don't say God said if he didn't say it. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. We do have, brother, an instruction manual on this computer called man. We don't know people like God knows people, but he did give us quite an instruction manual. And if you follow the manual, brother, you will be in contact with the creator of your heart, your thoughts, your soul, your body, everything about you. Hallelujah. There are people that they want special instructions from God that don't want to do one thing this thing says. And I've got news for you. There ain't going to be no word given if you don't accept this word. Amen. That's the reason before Jesus was crucified, they took him to Herod. And Herod, hoping to see some miracle of him, brought him in and uh, do something. Back up. Give him some space. He answered him, not a word. He didn't. Let me, let me think, Herod. He didn't have to. You know, Herod, I got nothing to say to you. Because you wouldn't listen to John. And if you ain't going to listen to John, what makes you think I'm going to give you some kind of special word? Hallelujah, hallelujah. But by the same token, if we'll keep our nose, our heart, our mind, our spirit in line with this word, there is no reason, brother, to doubt that the God that gave us that word, he's got a word in a way. He knows the answers. <laughs> Hallelujah. He can do it. I remember one time years ago, I was uh, pastoring in Miami, Oklahoma. <laughs> I always like to pause for effect because they think sandy beaches in Oklahoma. And uh, there was a lady in that church. I'm, I'm trying to feel out how to say this gracefully, but there was a lady in that church. She was something else, man. She was something else. And uh, just a case in point, just, this is just one deal. I tried to help a guy one time. I'd want him to God when I was uh, an assistant pastor in Bartlesville. Want him to God, and then he backslid, and now I'm pastoring, and he calls, and he comes, and, and uh, prays through, and, and I'm going to help him. And I say, Two weeks in my home. I'll let you stay two weeks. You get a job. Well, two weeks turned into five months. I was young and ignorant in those days. And, uh, and in five months' time, he actually forked over $15 to help. And uh, finally, after five months, and... Uh, my wife was starting to look at me funny. <laughs> I got this boy, 
and uh, paid for a month's rent at a lodging. That's the last time I ever saw him come to church. But he did come back to my house because the next time I went to church, he came and broke into my house and stole our microwave. And uh, so about three days later, in the morning, early, the phone rings, and it's this sister telling me that if somebody would have shown Mark a little love and compassion, he'd probably still be living for God. So I said, I'm so glad you said that. I'll go pick him up right now. I'll get my money back on the room, and I'll be at your house with him at 10 o'clock. And you can show him all the compassion you can muster. Oh, no, no, please. I, 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 I. And many such like things. And, uh, and you know, I never did. You know, up to this, damn, I tell you, I never saw her talk in tongues. I, never, I mean, it was just. One night, she calls at 11 o'clock, griping about something. And I said, I'm going to tell you what. Now, her husband was a sinner man. I liked him, and he liked I said, sister, it's 11 o'clock. My wife and I will be there at 11.30. We are going to pray you through to the Holy Ghost tonight. I, 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 I know we'll be there. And I hung up the phone. Went to the house. Bob decided to leave. And uh, we're in the front room. We're going to pray. So we're, we're staying until you pray through. And, you know, when you're young. You know. Anyway. So we prayed and prayed. I put my hand on her head. And I pray. And it's like praying for one of them stone fence posts we saw on the way up here. There was nothing. It didn't matter how hard I squeezed her head. There was nothing. And she'd, and she'd, she'd look at me. And so finally, I went to a corner of the room. This is the truth. Big doors swing on little hinges. Some things in life, it only takes me one time to learn. So I went to the corner of the room. <laughs> 
And I prayed and I said, God, to myself, what is this woman's problem? And I really didn't, to be honest with you, expect him to tell me. I mean, I just... And he spoke to me and said, she's not rendering due benevolence to her husband. She's not being a wife to him physically. <laughs> that is not what I expected to hear. And I said, Sister Booker, get over here close. I said, I know what your problem is. She said, what? And I repeated what he told me. She just stared at me. I said, I'm just telling you. She bowed her head. She said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. She said, I know I'm not. And I, and I said, are you ready to repent of that? She said, yes, I promise you. I laid hands on her, and the Holy Ghost fell. And boom, she hit her back talking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave her evidence. I mean, that quick. That quick. Whew. She lay there and wept and cried and talked in tongues for over 30 minutes. And all I know is Bob showed up for church next Sunday. And he said, I don't know what you told my wife, preacher. He said, but I like you. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, God knows what we're made out of. He created us. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. Sometimes we think it's some big, complicated something, and there's a dead mouse down there somewhere. Now, I don't know how far you can buy into this or not, but I know of a lady. She is a missionary today. She told me years ago she was trying to play the piano, trying to learn, feeling the call of God in her life that she would be in missions work. She tried and she tried, and she was intelligent, but she couldn't get it. And it's easy to say some people are, Blessed and some are not. I think that's obvious and that's true. But I'm just telling you what she's, her testimony to me. 
She said, one day I was so frantic, and I said, Jesus, why can't I learn this? And he said, because you offended me. When and where and how did I offend you? And he said, when you were a little girl in church, 20 years ago you were taking piano lessons and you were picking it up and they asked you in the youth service to play a little song and you adamantly, stubbornly refused. And she said, you know what? From that day, I couldn't go any further and I finally got so frustrated. She fell on her face and said, God, I would never hurt you for anything in the world. I'd do anything for you. And she poured her heart out to God. I'm just telling you what she told me. Amen. She said, Brother Booker, when I went back, she said, it just started coming to me. Now, I don't want to create more problems than we're trying to fix tonight. But I am telling you this. We need to be a sensitive people. We're too brazen sometimes. We're, we're too, we're too, we're too steamrollerish sometimes. There needs to be something in us that says, God, oh God, I want to hear your voice. I got to hear your voice. God, I want to be, you're the God of all flesh. You know my down sittings and my uprisings. You are well acquainted with all of my ways. I'm a complex preacher, but God, you're a complex God and you're able to fix anything. You're the God of all flesh, and is there anything too hard for thee? Amen. That's why in the book of Isaiah, amen, chapter number 30, this, you've got to understand, is given to you and I. He doesn't want us to bumble and stumble our way through this world. I understand where the world's at, and I know why it got there, and it's pitiful. It's because they have forsaken. This world is like the falcon that Yeats wrote the poem of, turning and turning in the widening gutter. The falcon has got so far out, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. You know why this world is in such a mess? Because we are God's creatures, and yet they've got so far from the ways of God and the Word of God. And I don't want to be ugly, and I don't want to be callous. Amen. But we wonder why our schools, our public schools, are in the mess they're in, and why maniacs roam the halls. Well, all I know is over 25 years ago, they said, take your God and your Bible and your prayer and get out of here. And brother, when they did, it created a vacuum and nature abhors a vacuum. Something's going to fill it. Amen. And I'm not a gun lobbyist, okay? But this nation has had guns from the beginning. This didn't go on before. It's not God.
guns. It's movies. It's television. It's Hollywood. Amen. They're willing to do a lot of things, but nobody wants to touch the golden goose. They're and screaming, holler and beller, but don't touch their pleasures. If kids go to hell in a handbasket and slaughter each other, so be it. We're going to have our television. We're going to watch our Hollywood. But though the world's in that kind of a mess, there is no reason the church of the living God, we shouldn't be bouncing wolf the walls, wondering what to do next. There's a God that loves us. There's a God that made us. There's a God that'll guide us. There's a God that'll show us. There's a God that'll teach us. We're not of darkness. We're the children of the light. That day shouldn't take us unawares because we've got the good book and we've got the God of the good book. In Isaiah 30, verse 21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. In thine ears. Saying, Saying, This is the way. This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you thine. shall turn to the right, and when you shall turn to the left. A voice that'll talk to us. A still small voice. A precious voice. A voice that'll save us so much trouble. So much pain. So much sorrow. If we can just tune in with a sensitivity. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Turn here. Turn there. You don't have to walk around in darkness. We don't have to be like blind men groping at noonday. Amen. Knowing not at what we stumble. Hallelujah. We've got a God that made us, that loves us, that knows us. I remember years ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to put myself an example. Any minister here, and most all of you, can tell stories like a couple I'm going to tell and move on. Because we all know the value of the times God has spoken and we heard and he saved the day. Saved the day. I'm convinced the reason we don't hear it more is because one, we're not desperate enough for it. Amen. And two, sometimes it takes a while for us mortals to say, leave me alone. I've got to pray. I've got to get a hold of God. I don't have the answer, but he does. But he does. Amen. When I was assistant in Bartlesville, I, I uh, worked for a linen company. Long story short, I was delivering linens at a place in Fairland, Oklahoma. The proprietors, Mr. and Mrs. Payne, they were in their late 60s at that time. And uh, I noticed that he did most all the business and she kind of remained in the shadows, so to speak. And 
one day he was gone and and uh, she was going to write me a check for the for the items and when she got the pen she was trying to write the check and it was like watching a major ordeal her hand was shaking so bad finally I stopped her I said, I said Mrs. Payne look, I don't need that check today you can mail it in I'll pick it up in a couple weeks it don't she put the pen down. She said, I'm so sorry. She said, my nerves are just so bad. Long story short, I found out that her husband had taken her to shock treatments. And uh, it had left her a wreck. And she'd also been in and out of a couple of asylums with her nerve problems. And uh, so anyway... I said, Mrs. Payne, have you ever heard of the Holy Ghost? She said, I've, I've heard about it. She said, and I, I believe in it. She said, my denomination doesn't believe it like I think you're talking about. But she said, I, I believe you're talking about re receiving the Holy Ghost and, and experience. I, she said, I've, I've been to a church that they have that. I said, yes, Mrs. Payne. And uh, I said, you can have the Holy Ghost. It's for you. I'm just telling you what I said. Just stick with me. She said, well, what do I do? I said, well, first of all, you've got to make sure you repent of any and all sin you know of. I said, and you need to call on Jesus because he's the one that baptizes us with the Holy Ghost and fire. He is it, and he gives it to us. I said, so call on Jesus, call on Jesus. So I came back two weeks later, I was putting the linen away, and I heard singing, happy singing. And I looked out the sidewalk and coming down the sidewalk in front of the motel, here she was, smiling. I'm putting the linens up, she comes in there. She said, how you doing, Larry? I said, great. She said, I am too. I said, what's been happening? She said, I got the Holy Ghost. I said, what happened? She said, about four days ago, I was shot. My nerves just getting worse and worse. She said, I couldn't even get out of bed one day. Along about two in the morning, I was laying in bed. And I was trembling and shaking. And she thought, I'm going to have to go back into that place. And they're going to hook wires on me again. And I remembered what you said. And I started calling on Jesus. And I said, Jesus, I know you can heal me. And I know you can give me the Holy Ghost. She said, Larry, those were the last words I spoke in English. Said he came down and flooded my soul. Hallelujah. About that time, she started talking in tongues, and I started talking in tongues. Hallelujah. So we're in the laundry room, amen, dancing, talking in tongues, me and this 60-some-year-old precious lady. And all of a sudden, I got a feeling. Something here now. 
And I looked in the doorway, and there he was. I said, hello, Mr. Payne. She said, we're just feeling the Lord. He said, yeah, you've been talking that gibberish for days now. Well, I decided to leave. Came back two weeks later. Walked in to get the check. She was shaking again. Not as bad. But, and she wasn't smiling. I said, Mr. Payne, what's wrong? She said, well, we went to church. And the pastor asked if anybody had a testimony. He said, nobody moved. Nobody budged. Nobody did anything. She said, finally, I stood up. And I said, you know, folks, remember how my nerves used to be? She said, look at my hands. She said, Jesus healed me. Furthermore, he gave me the Holy Ghost. She said, and I just started talking in tongues right there. And service was over. And my husband got me by the hand very tight and led me to the car and pulled me in and he drove off. He was a deacon in that church. He said, Larry brought me home and he beat me and beat me and beat me and said, I want to hear the name of Jesus in this house again. And she said, that's the way it's been. And I'm standing there thinking, what can I tell this woman? I said, Jesus, what can I tell this woman? And he spoke to me. He said, tell her who I am. And for a second I thought, but God, what good would that? And I, I, said, I, I, said, I said, Mrs. Payne, i got to tell you something. She said, what's that? I said, have you got a Bible? She said, yes. I took her to the strongest oneness verse in the Bible. Matthew 28, 19. I said, Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. You understand that? He's got it all. Okay. He said, go ye therefore, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name. Name. Say name, Mrs. Payne. Name. Of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. I said, now, Mrs. Payne, what is the name of the Father? She said, well, I said, what's the Father's name? She said, God. I said, no, that's what he is. Let's go over this. What is the name of the Son? She said, Jesus. Well, Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name. Hebrews 1 and 4, he hath by inheritance a more excellent name. So if he inherited his Father's name, he came in his Father's name, what would the name of the Father be? She said, Jesus. I said, in the Holy Ghost, what you shall receive in my name. 
And in Colossians 1, 27, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And she leaned down, because I was down on one knee. Larry, are you Jesus only? Now, you answer that the way you want to. I'm telling you how I answered it. I said, no, I'm not. I said, if Jesus was only man, he could do nothing about our sins. If he were only God and yet not also man, he could not feel our infirmities nor be tempted like as we are. He was God who could not bleed, could not die, could not be tempted, that became flesh that he could be in all points tempted, could shed blood and taste death. He was in the world. The world was made by him because God robed himself in human flesh. And that human flesh is deified and on the throne. He is the Lord God omnipotent that reigneth. She said, I see it. 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 She said, 20 years ago, I used to go to a Jesus-only church. That's why I heard about the Holy Ghost. She said, I never could understand what they were trying to tell me. Now I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm just trying to tell us his answers, his answers. His answers, his answers are mighty. His answers are powerful. Come on, David. You want to know if you're going to go up to war or not? You're just listening. When you start hearing a rustling in the mulberry trees, you move on out, brother. God's got the answer. Come on, what are you going to do, Solomon? Here's these two women, and then they're fighting over one live baby. He wasn't all that smart. I'm telling you, God spoke into that man's heart. He said, bring me a sword. We'll just cut him in the answer, the answer, the answer, the answer. Hey, man, in Acts chapter 9, uh, there's a man praying by the name of Ananias. He's just having a good prayer meeting. And the Lord says, come on, Ananias, arise, get thee to a street called Street. A man's there praying, and his name is Saul uh -huh. of Tarsus. He didn't realize you're fixing the Lay your hands on over half the New Testament books. You're fixing to lay your hands on the apostle to the Gentiles. You're fixing to lay your hands. Big doors swing on little hinges. And we're in the last of the last days. I'm telling you, there is revival. I'm telling you, God's got the answers. I know our society's going to hell in a handbasket, but we've got a God that's got the answers. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, Simon Peter, when you're in an upper room and you're praying and you're about to go down and eat and you see a vision and the Lord says, hey, there's some men down there and don't you call them that common or unclean, that which I have cleansed. Go with them. Don't doubt anything. He didn't realize you're fixing to open the door 
to the Gentile world. Hence, had that door not been open, we wouldn't be here tonight. Brother, big doors swing on little hinges. Hallelujah! And we're in the, let's stand tonight. We're in the last of the last days. Amen. Amen. In Acts, the 19th chapter, Paul, he turns everywhere he can. He preaches this gospel everywhere he goes. He's about to go into, Masa, or into Asia. And the Lord speaks and says, I forbid you to go into Asia. What? That wasn't just once, yea, twice. Don't go into Asia. I will listen to the voice behind me that says, this is the way. Walk in it. And one day, he has a vision. In the night, he sees a man in Macedonia saying, come help us! So he goes to Macedonia. I read a story one time of a man. He owned a bird dog. He claimed, and probably rightfully so, that it was the greatest bird dog in the world at that time. One time he was giving a demonstration to a friend of his. Took him out to his vast hunting estates. And there was quail by the droves. And the dog wanted he was born and bred to run. He was born and bred to fetch. He was born and bred to hunt. And the dog was shivering from the tip of his nose to the tip of his tail. But in the midst of its eagerness, he kept waiting to hear a sound from his master. Finally, his master said, go. Didn't yell it. Go. And that dog took off. Ears flapping in the wind. Tongue hanging. Eyes bright. Headed to his heart's desire. And while the dog was running, the man left. And the dog turned left and started running this way. Right! And the dog turned back and started running this way. Heel! And the dog ran and sat down next to him, quivering from the end of his nose to his tail, looking up for his next instruction. He was born and bred to hunt. But he loved the voice of his master and esteemed it higher than anything. The man standing there watching this said, name your price. He said, I will never part with this dog till it dies. You hear me? When God finds somebody 
use his voice. I just wonder sometimes. I just wonder sometimes how much more effective we could be if we'll just talk and take some time to develop some sensitivity. I'm not saying don't stop out. I mean hit it hard and heavy, fast and furious, do anything and everything you can. Give a portion to seven and to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. But at the same time, God, let me be sensitive to your still small voice. And so here's Paul. Man, he's preaching in, he's preaching anywhere and everywhere. He can! And he wants to go into Asia! And the Holy Ghost says, no! And the Holy Ghost says, left! What's the reward? What's the reward? In Acts 19, Read verse number 11. How did God reward this man's sensitivity? Yes. And God wrought special miracles. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. By the hands of Paul. So that from his body, from his body were brought unto the sick, to the sick handkerchiefs. handkerchiefs and aprons. aprons. And diseases departed from them. from them. And the evil spirits went out. Evil spirits went out. Read. Then certain vagabonds okay. Jews. This went on for two years. Read verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years. Two years! So that all they which dwell in Asia. Everybody that dwelt in Asia! Every Jew, every Greek in Asia. And he, without newspapers, printed word, tracks, thank God, television, radio, any means whatsoever, stayed in an upper room, taught people. Sending out hankers. And God said, buddy, because you obeyed me. I didn't let you go to Asia. Now, I'm not going to let you go anywhere in Asia. You just stay in this room, and you preach, and you teach. And I, the Lord, am going to cause all Asia to hear my word. Now, I can't understand those equations. All I know, brother, is big doors swing on little hinges. Some things can be taught, some things caught. I, I, I can't go any further than this than what we are. I'm not telling you I've arrived or changed, attained or achieved. I, I'm, I'm wanting this as bad as anybody and everybody here. God, help us. We're in the last of the last days. Help us to take the time. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know all flesh. Direct us. Teach us. Mold us. And I'm closing, and I've preached way too long. I know I have. 
But brethren, you know as well as I do, right now, I'm hearing more reports from sane people, good men, that are telling me about neat things, unique things that's happening of people getting this truth. Beautiful things, sweet things. God, my church, I love him. He's going down the road. You don't pick up hitchhikers in southern L.A., southern California. He's going down the road, but he sees a red car and a guy walking down the road with a gas can. He thinks, have mercy, man. I mean, you know. So he pulls over, and the boy comes running up. That's the window down. He says, jump on in. He said, put your gas can in the back. The kids get in the car. He said, well, uh, what, what do you mean gas can? Your gas can. Just set your ca gas can on the back, and I'll go get you some gas. He said, I ain't got no gas can. He said, what do you mean you ain't got no gas can? I don't, he said, didn't you run out of gas? I ain't got no car. Well, whose car? There was no car. He said, where'd that red car go? He said, what red car? He said, the red car you were walking away from. He said, you know, mister, um, I'm just telling you, I, I didn't have no gas can. There wasn't no red car. I just need a ride, okay? You know, he's thinking you don't just get picked up by anybody in Southern California either. And, uh, so Al says, uh, I'll take you where you want to go. Well, just let me off at such and such an exit. He said, well, that's the exit I'm taking. He said, where do you, where do you go from there? He said, well, it's a, it's a little street. It ain't all that. I can, just, I can make my way from there. He said, well, I'm, I live over by that way. What's the street? He tells him the street. He said, do what? He said, yeah, I just moved out here from Indiana. He said, that's my street. It is? Yeah. What's the address? Five houses down. Just moved in. You know, there's, there's uh, 25 million people in Southern California. He starts telling this boy about the gospel. And that boy starts coming. I don't understand all I know. All I know is we're in the last of the last days. Jesus, help us to be sensitive. Help us, lead us, guide us. You made us. You've got the answer. Let's lift our hands and love him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. 
Does anybody here want to be used of the Lord? Is anybody here got a problem? Is anybody here, amen, want to draw a little closer to this God that knows us? Is there anybody here, maybe you want to take something to God about your family, about your home, about your neighbor, about your church, about your world, about your work, about your boss? I'm telling you, there's a God! He wants to move. He wants to minister. He wants to be found. He wants to lead. He wants to guide. He wants to help.